Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of the Inkwell Gamers podcast. Today, we are going over our set review of the Steel Cards in Rise of the Floodborne. Dana, before we get started, why don't you tell us our grading scale? Yes, absolutely. So we updated this with a couple of the newer cards just to make it relevant for today's times. So starting with the top, we have S. These are the best cards that you couldn't imagine cutting and you would play four of in every deck of this color. They're very high power level. Something like Beast Tragic Hero is right now. And then next we have cards that are A. These are some of the best cards in this color with a very high power level. It will get played in most decks, but there might be a couple of archetypes that might not want it or at least maybe all four of it depending on the strategy something like Flabbersham. Or A could also be the best cards that cause you to build around it, something like Bell, Hidden, Archer. Then we have B, which are solid role players. Could be a four of in a lot of decks just due to the ink ability and ink cost, but not necessarily a high power, something like Benja. Or B could also be higher power level role players, but maybe not inkable or they're expensive, so it's kind of hard to play in some archetypes or to play a lot of copies of, something like Ursula from the first set. Then we have Cs, which take a very specific deck in order to make playable, but could have some niche applications like Hypnotize. Then we have Ds, which are mostly unplayable cards. We have been using Healing Glow as our example, and in all honesty, that one is still probably the worst card, so we're just going to keep using that one as our example of D. So It is the poster child of bad Lorcana cards. For sure. All right, so as we have been doing previously, we're going to go alphabetical by character first, and then ending with our items, songs, and actions. So let's jump right in. All right, first card, we have Beast. Forbidding Recluse. It is a four-cost inkable character. He is a 3-4 that quests for one and has, You're not welcome here. When you play this character, you may deal one damage to chosen character. I gave this one a C. There were times in the first set that I played Ariel, the amber one that couldn't sing, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, the four cost, and she, I just needed the, the body. It was a decent sized body, and this one has additional upside, so I could see some decks playing it, but I still don't think it's going to be a very popular card given the increased power level from set two. I also had C. I think there are a couple of other four cost, three, four characters too, and none of them really see play because of their ability is just not being strong enough to make it worth it. Like Elsa Gloves Off and Grumpy are both of these stat lines too. And there are other 3-4 characters that do get played, but those typically have far better abilities, so they're a little bit higher costs. But yeah, I just don't think for this stat line and the ability that it's worth seeing any sort of play. Yeah, if uh, a deck like... Amber Amethyst pops up where you have four Lelos and four Maleficent Binder Times and that becomes a really good deck or really popular deck I should say then this being able to pick off those two cards specifically could be really good and you might want to play a couple in that case. Mm-hmm. All right next we have Beast Selfless Protector an inkable six drop two eight quests for one and has shield another 
Whenever one of your characters would be dealt damage, put that many damage counters on this character instead. I gave this one a B because I actually played against this card in League and it was a little bit more annoying to deal with than I thought it would be. So I could see it just being like a nice solid role player in some steel decks. Yeah, I gave this one a C just because I'm not totally sure exactly what kind of deck you'd want to play this in. I think you need some really good characters that you're protecting because that's kind of just what this ability is is almost mm -hmm. like a bodyguard so what about in like a like a emerald aggro deck like obviously emerald characters are high questing and so they do make them a little bit squishier so i feel like this could be a good bodyguard for that yeah i feel like you already have a lot of good or at least reasonable bodyguard options like mickey mouse he was a two seven and that never really saw any play Granted, this is a 2-8, but yeah, I just, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure mm -hmm. if this kind of card could be good. It only quests for one, so it doesn't really apply much pressure. I think I'm just going to stick with a C. I, I could be wrong, and yeah, it could be a B, but I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. Okay, next we have Beast Tragic Hero. This is a very interesting one. It is a 5-cost inkable character with Shift 3 he is a 3-5 that quests for 2, and it has, it's better this way. At the start of your turn, if this character has no damage, draw a card. Otherwise, he gets plus 4 strength this turn. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you think of Beast. S. I know that we've talked about how we think this is probably the best card in the whole set. No matter what his ability will trigger, and either way, both outcomes are extremely powerful advantages for you. So... Even though we might not have a way to shift him earlier now, I think he's still good enough on his own just to be played as a straight five drop. Yeah, he is definitely really strong as just a five cost character. The stats aren't bad. The questing is decent. So I gave this an S as well. I like that it is a Floodborne character for all the different Floodborne synergies that you have in the set. And his ability is just really strong. If you just keep him there and not quest for a couple turns, you're just going to draw multiple extra cards and bury your opponent in card advantage. And then when he wants to brawl, he can he can brawl too. So yeah, I, I really like this one. For sure. All right, next we have Benja, Guardian of the Dragon Gem. An inkable three drop, two, three, quest for two, and has We Have a Choice. When you play this character, you may banish chosen item. What did you think of this one? I gave this one a B. This is kind of exactly how I like my early characters to be, where they have reasonable stats and they quest for a couple, and then they also have a really powerful ability when that ability comes up, right? Mm -hmm. Just being able to maybe destroy your opponent's popsicle so they can't draw a card with Flavorsham is really good. Maybe just destroying one of your opponent's lanterns so they can't accelerate into Stitch Rockstar a turn early. Or Stuff even like, like that. yes, I I had those plus like Sleepy's Flute is up and coming mm -hmm. for the Steel Song decks, which is still a strong deck of the meta. Yep. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he's just a, a nice little role player B. Yep, and you know, when he's not going to be impactful he's just stink so I, I like the flexibility all right next we have chief bogo respected officer he is a four cost uninkable character he's a two four that quest for two and has 
Insubordination. Whenever you play a Floodborne character, deal one damage to each opposing character. So that is pretty strong. I think curving him into Beast seems like a, a good combination there. I think the biggest issue is just that he is not inkable. So I'm going to give this uh, a C. I gave it a C as well. I feel like we do have a couple of good Floodborne characters, but I don't know if it's enough to maybe see the ability trigger as often as we might like. But I, I do agree that it's it's powerful of an ability. I just don't know if it's consistent enough right now. Yeah, so it kind of feels like in the matchups where this card is going to be really good, you curve this and uh, Beast and uh, Tinkerbell, Giant Fairy, and in the matchups where it's good, that's going to be is extremely powerful. But in some of the controlling matchups where that is not very good, I'm just not sure how effective this card is, so I don't know how many you can play. That being said, I guess it's still Quest for 2, so maybe it can still put on pressure, but yeah, I don't... It's either going to be really good or really bad, so I think it's just a, a C. For sure. All right, next we have Cinderella Knight in Training, an inkable 2-drop, a 2-2 two, two, quest for 1, and has Have Courage. When you play this character, you may draw a card, then choose and discard a card. I have this one as a B. I think, obviously, she's going to be good for shifting into the big Cinderella we're about to talk about, but even just in and of itself... Her ability of being able to have card draw and then a selection is a pretty powerful ability to have, especially in the early game. If maybe your mulligan didn't go quite as planned, then you can have a little bit of a card selection there and try to rectify maybe any bad ones you might have drew. Yeah, again, another two-drop character that has, or I should say another cheap character, that has a little bit of upside to come along with it where you can... Again, draw a card, then discard a, a card that doesn't really work well with your current hand. So yeah, I like B with this one as well. Mm -hmm. Next, we have Cinderella Stouthearted. She is an inkable 7 cost character. 5-5, five, five, quest for 3, shift 5, resist 2, and the singing sword. Whenever you play a song, this character may challenge ready characters this turn. What do you think? Obviously, I think she's really good. I I struggled with determining whether she would be an S or an A, honestly. The ability of resist is just so strong. And her second ability is really fitting into the Steel Song decks, but I could also see it going in other deck archetypes too. So that's why I don't even, I don't know if she should just be a S because I could see her fitting into any Steel deck. Yeah, I think she's an A. I think she is really powerful, has some, definitely some strong abilities. I don't know if she's going to be a four of in every steel deck, kind of like I think Beast will be, but I still think she's really powerful and she can do a lot of really good things. Uh, having two of the best songs in, that are in the game in this color and Grab Your Swords in a Whole New World definitely makes her challenge ability come up a lot more. And that challenge ability is, is no joke. Just essentially being able to stop characters before they quest is really strong. Yeah. All right, next we have Donald Duck Deep Sea Diver. Inkable 5 drop, 6-5, quests for 1. And that's it. <laughs> what, do you, what do you have? This is probably just a D. I'm not ever going to play this in a deck, I don't think. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I it's probably unplayable. 
I have a D as well. It's exactly like the Ruby Captain from set one. And that literally never saw play. The only other five cost character that is a six five is Maui. And he has so many other things going for him that which is what makes him so good. But a vanilla character like this just is not it for me. Correct. All right, next we have Eli LaBeouf. It is an inkable four-cost character. He's a 2-5 that quests for two, and that is it. And again, the big daddy is a D. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Uh, D for me as well. There are just other 2-5 characters that are four-drops with abilities. So just as better than this vanilla card. I mean, you have Donald Duck Perfect Gentleman, which is... Literally the same stats, and he also has shift and his additional ability. So, again, it's just, if you're going to make cards have the same stat line as other cards and still be the same ink ability and cost, I feel like you should try to match the power level. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this is just kind of like a game philosophy is that you have to have bad cards in order to have good cards. You know, not every card can be great. So they have to print bad cards, unfortunately. I guess. And this is one of them. <laughs> and this is one of them. I guess. If every card's good, then... Is any card really good? So philosophical there. I know. Jeez. All right, next we have Goofy Knight for a day. He is an inkable nine drop, a 10-10, so big boy, and quests for four, but doesn't have any other abilities other than that. I'll start first. I gave him a B, and I know that you don't think this card's very good because I know that we've talked about it before, but I feel like that's easy for you to say as a Ruby player because you have direct removals like Maleficent, Dragonfire, Be Prepared, all those. And of course, as a Ruby player, when you compare it to a nine cost character, you have Maleficent, Dragon, and you're obviously going to play that nine cost over this one. But as someone who plays a non-Ruby deck, I think it could be a pretty decent card because... Since I play colors that don't have maybe the best removal options for large characters like this, it would be really hard for me to get something like this off the board in a way that would still be a favorable trade for me. It could be seen as slow to get on the board because it's a nine cost character, but I feel like if you even pair it in like a Sapphire Ramp deck, for instance, you would obviously get to it quicker and I could see you gaining lots of lore with it if so. So I, I think it's worth a B. Yeah, I think the best thing about this card is the pun in the flavor text. <laughs> Why don't you read it for the people that are listening? It's a banner day for Sir Goofy, who is steeled, steeled, <laughs> to prove his metal against, metal against anyone courting trouble. Joust, in case. So many puns. So many puns. That's the best part about this card, so... The issue with this is that all the decks that like are going to go long with you have plenty of ways to get this character off the board pretty easily. Sapphire and Ruby being the, the main two. Mm -hmm. And then the colors that don't have easy ways to get this off the board are just way too aggressive. Like if someone plays this against you and you're playing your one of your emerald decks they're probably going to lose just because they played something that cost nine ink and all your characters quest for three and 
you're just so much faster than them. So that's why I don't like this card. I just don't see the aggro decks having any problem with this. I mean, just think about if your opponent plays this and you're just like, ah, genie on the job, we're seeing mother knows best, and that just sets them so far behind. I just don't see it. Okay, that's fair enough. I, I get your point. I'll give it a D. I was playing devil's advocate, I guess. <laughs> hey, I don't mind. All right, next we have Hercules, Divine Hero. Six cost Inkable, six, three, quest for two, with shift four and resist two. Dana, tell me what you think about Herc. I gave this one a B just due to his resistance shifting because there are other cards this big that don't see a lot of play like Goofy Musketeer. But I think his ability to shift is what he has going for him right now. And he would die somewhat easily, but having such a big strength on a potential sh like fourth turn when you shift him, I feel like it could be worth playing him because you could get rid of some of the, the bigger threats at least. Yeah, I just really don't know. As a standalone six-cost card, I I mean, you're, I don't think you're ever playing this over Tinkerbell. I think Tinkerbell's is way more powerful. And uh, as a shift card, I think Tinkerbell is way more powerful because it has that spread damage, and then it can also pick off things other than what it's challenging. I... I'd have to see this one do a lot of work for me in order for it to be for me to be a believer in it. I'm gonna give it a C. See, I feel like it would do well against Maui, which I know is kind of your litmus test for a lot of things. Let me just trades with Maui. Which is better than most of the time Maui doesn't just trade, he just gets red and remains. So well, yeah, <laughs> that's again, at least it's a six cost card. It should be better than Maui. Well, I I know, but if you shift it, I mean it would be obviously much better with the shift too. Yeah, so. That's true. Like there are definitely worse cards than this. I that's why I'm gonna give it a C. I just need to see it in play, dominate the board first, and I haven't. Fair enough. All right, next we have Hercules Hero in Training, an Inkable 2-drop, two 2-3, two, Quests for 1, Vanilla. What did you get this one? To see. These cards, the more there are, the less important they are. We have plenty of 2-cost two 2-3s. Two we have a lot more with abilities now, so I have a C. I have BC. I think it's a C as a standalone, but it's a B if you plan on playing the Hercules Divine Hero we just talked about. Yep, so. yep. If you want to play Hercules Divine Hero, you'll probably play this one. All right, next we have Jafar Dreadnought, a four-cost inkable character. That's a 3-4 quest for one, shift two, and it has now where were we? During your turn, whenever this character banishes another character in a challenge, you may draw a card. I think this one is really interesting. I gave it a, I think it's like a B+. Plus. It has decent stats for a four-cost character. There was a beast earlier that was a 3-4 for four. And this one can shift for two, so it has that additional flexibility. And then its ability is really strong. Like, just getting one card off this is really good, and it has the potential to be even more than that. So I like this one a decent amount. Yeah, I give this one a B as well. I think this card isn't too bad because... There are a lot of smaller mid-range characters that this could trade with. And yeah, you can argue that the card draw ability is slower, but I think the ability to shift helps. And even though there aren't any 
one drop Jafar's right now. You could still use the two drop we're getting ready to talk about and get this a turn earlier on three instead of four. So I think it has it has a lot of potential there. Yeah, and one thing I really like about this is that for all the cards that trigger off you playing a Floodborne, this is just a natural four-cost Floodborne, so it's fairly cheap just by itself if you want to build around those synergies. That's true too, for sure. It's not one that is, it's not one of those Floodborns that you're like, I don't really want to have to put this in my deck to do the whole Floodborne synergy, but it wouldn't yeah. be that hard. Yeah, it's not that hard. It's cheap. It's decent body, so I like it. For sure. All right, and so like I said a couple moments ago, we have another Jafar to talk about, which is Royal Vizier, an inkable two drop, three, two, quests for one, and has, I don't trust him, sire. During your turn, this character gains evasive. I put him in the BC range. I think he can trade with a lot of the smaller evasive characters or even some of the mid-cost ones like the new Flynn Rider or Ray. So yeah, pretty good for a two cost. Yeah, if you feel like your deck is kind of weak to the evasive characters in other colors, this is definitely a good option. It trades favorably into the three-cost mini mouse, which I think is really important. And then it has an even trade with Flynn Rider, Tinkerbell, if you play that, Pongo. So yeah, I think I think he's a solid B. This is kind of the the two drop that I'm way more interested in compared to the Hercules we talked about. For sure. <laughs> All right, next we have Kronk, Junior Chipmunk, six cost inkable, four, five, quest for two. He has resist one, he has scout leader. During your turn, whenever this character banishes another character in a challenge, you may deal two damage to chosen character. Interesting card, what do you think? I gave him a C because I just think he's a worse big tink, plus he doesn't shift. I do like his the fact that he has a resistibility and his other one as well, but I still don't think it's better or as good as tink. So C for me. Nope, just uh, worse tink. Doesn't shift, obviously. The one upside of this is that it has resist. I kind of wish it says whenever this character banishes another character in a challenge, not just during your turn. That way you could actually have a reason to play it over Tinkerbell in case right. it gets challenged. You uh, still have the ability to, you know, pick off something small. But instead they kind of just make it a, they made it a worse tink. And for that reason I'm out. It's a C or a D. Next we have Lawrence, Jealous Manservant. An inkable three drop, zero four, quests for two, and has payback. While this character has no damage... He gets plus four strength. So no damage on him. He's a four four. I'll let you say it first. <laughs> I'll let you say yours first. I like this card. I gave it a B. What? Yeah, I like this one. This What'd surprises you give me. A D. A D. Okay. So let me let me influence you or try to. Let me influence you. <laughs> Alright. Either way. Fine. So the first time you quest with this it is a 4-4 four, four, okay mm -hmm. so you got your two quest it's a 4-4 four, four character which on turn three or turn four is just as big if not bigger than everything else on the board so you're going to have to challenge this with one if not two characters and if they have to challenge it with two characters you're still going to trade for the first one because it's going to be bigger than it 
and you get a little bit of a tempo boost because they have to trade a second character into it as well. But I think also where this card ends up being decent is if you're playing Amber and you have Rapunzel in your deck because mm -hmm. you have like this 4-4 character, you trade into their 3-2 Jafar or whatever it is they have in play and then Rapunzel heals this thing right back up and you have a 4-4 again that is kind of hard to challenge into because it's a 4-4 four, for four, 3, which is just way bigger stats than what we're used to seeing. So I like this one. I think it, I think it definitely has some applications. So I don't think it's necessarily worth a B, like you said, because, I mean, you just said, especially in a healing deck, it would be really good, but that obviously is a certain type of archetype that it would fit into, which we have previously said in our grading scale that a C would be a card that you would put in a certain type of deck archetype, but... I mean, I, I do think you could play it in a lot of different decks. So let me ask you, in the Steel deck that you made for me the other day, why didn't you put him in there if you think he's so, such a solid role player as a B? Because I forgot about him. Uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> I did. Sure. I did. Well, obviously he's unmemorable. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot right, about him. <laughs> listen, I feel like unless you do play a healing deck, it would be like a one and done with him because once he's damaged, he's just rendered useless because he can't make favorable trades anymore. So, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. It's a, it's a no for me. <laughs> so... I like this conversation, so I'm going to keep going with it. You know, I think the worst part about the two-cost Flynn Rider, right, is that you quest with them, they trade into it, and then you just kind of lose your board presence, right? This is similar to that, except they lose their initial board presence as well because most of the time trading something smaller into it. Mm -hmm. And then they're also losing some of the tempo because instead of questing with their other character, they probably have to trade or challenge that one into Lawrence as well. So you get one character off the board, and then you slow them down by making them uh, challenge into Lawrence with their second character as well. So I think given that he actually trades board position reasonably well, he ends up being a lot better I think he plays a lot better than what he looks. But then again, I'm willing to be wrong about him. So Fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I think I need to try him out. All right, next we have Li Shang, Archery Instructor. Five cost, inkable, three six that quests for two and has Archery Lesson. Whenever this character quests, your characters gain evasive this turn. What do you think? I put him as a C. I am not sure if his ability is going to make it worth him seeing play because although it's good in theory I'm not sure how often you'll need it given that steel has other means of inflicting damage on evasive characters like yes yeah, steel might not have evasive characters of their own like what we talked about with Jafar but you have other damage inflicting cards so I don't know I don't know maybe a bc for me no I agree uh c or a d is kind of where I'm looking just All right, because I put a c but I felt like I looked at your face and I thought you disagreed with what I said. So that's why I said BC instead. <laughs> I was like, maybe I should give it a little bit more credit. No, no, I'm agreeing with you. Okay, okay. okay. Um, 
I think the application for this is a little too niche and he's not very powerful by himself, which I think you need your five and six mana cards to be more standalone than this. Which is such a shame because his character is so cool. You would think they would make him more of a badass. Right? Uh, I th I'm sure we'll see a pretty badass one at some point. I hope. Yeah. All right, next we have Magic Broom Industrial Model. A inkable three drop, two, three quests for one, and has make it shine. When you play this character, chosen character gains resist plus one until the start of your next turn. What did you give this one? A D. So there were some really important applications that the Amethyst Magic Brooms had and that you could kind of just loop them. So you never decked out in the mirror, mm -hmm. which I think was really important for those matches. This one doesn't have the same kind of profound impact on the game in any real matchup. And it's just not near as powerful in any specific situation compared to what the original Magic Brooms were. So I just don't see when you're going to play this one. I'll give it a D. For sure. I also gave it a D as well because I, when we do these set reviews, I always try to look up other cards of similar cost and stat lines and then just kind of compare and contrast where they might differ. And when looking at other cards similarly, there are two, three characters that are both two and three costs, but a lot of the two cost ones have either like an entering the battlefield ability, like snow white does or they're just vanilla and then the three cost ones seem to have abilities that are stronger and repeat like when questing or something like that but because his ability only triggers once when he enters sorry i just gave it a i just gave it a gender um when they <laughs> when they enter that i just don't feel like that is very it's just not strong enough for just one a one and done type of ability. Yeah, compare this to Benja, who quests for one more, and when Benja's ability comes up, it's going to be way more impactful in the game most of the time. For sure. So, yeah, I'm just not going to play this unless we uh, see a big uptick in Broom Synergy. Yeah. All right, next we have Namari, Morning Mist. Four costs an inkable 2 4 with Bodyguard. Quest for one, and it has blades. This character can challenge ready characters. What do you think, Dana? So this one's actually a little special for us because we did open up this enchanted. And boy, does it look sweet. It is a sweet card with art. <laughs> um, the art is sweet. The art is sweet. I gave her a C. I don't think she's as bad enough to be a D, but... She might not be a super big body, but I think her ability to challenge ready characters is something to hesitate on and maybe consider. I don't think it might go in every steel deck, but I could see her being used in a couple of decks. Yeah, I, I think she might be a D, which is sad, but I think the biggest problem with her is that she has like two conflicting abilities. She has bodyguard, which makes her want to be... Exerted when she... Yeah, exerted and kind of defensive, like you're protecting other characters. So that naturally gives her a bigger willpower than strength. Mm -hmm. And then you have the other ability, Blades, where you can challenge ready characters, but you only have two strengths, so you're not 
challenging anything of significance, of significance <laughs> yeah, I agree. on turn four most of the time. So her stats and abilities are conflicting. They don't really line up for me. Uh, she only quests for one. She's undersized for being a four cost. I mean, we have plenty of four cost three fours in this color. And on top of that, she is not inkable. So <laughs> that just makes her even less good. I I don't know when you would play her. I'm going to give her a D. <laughs> you, made, you made good cases. I'll bump her down to a D. Yeah. I, <laughs> I want, like... I don't understand why they couldn't have given her resist or something just to bump the power up a little bit. But yeah. Like, if she had resist one or resist two, I think she could have been very good. But she doesn't. She doesn't. Nope. <laughs> she doesn't. She dies at everything. <laughs> All right, next we have Paka, village leader, Dana's favorite character. <laughs> That's uh, sarcastic. <laughs> it is. He is an inkable six cost character for eight quests for two. So he's large, he quests for a decent amount, but really the most important thing about him is that he is a four eight. He is very large. Very large. What do you think? I gave him a C. I originally had a D, but I don't know. Maybe I should just keep it as a D. I felt like I was being too harsh because I'm about to have four Ds in a row. So, <laughs> um... I feel like this card would be better if it had an ability because, I mean, you have Stitch, which, I mean, he's a seven cost, but he's a four, eight quest for two and has an ability. And I just feel like they should have given him something, but they didn't. Yeah, he's only a common, you know, so. Um... Or, or even have him quest for one more would make me consider making him a B, but because he just, I don't know, there's just nothing. If, I think if you quested for one more, he'd actually be really pretty good. So I was going to bring up Stitch just because, I mean, obviously the most important thing about Stitch is that he drew two cards, but he's also incredibly hard just to challenge and take down once in play. And Paka has the exact same stats, so I think he might be the same way as well. I wouldn't give it a C as well. Yeah, I wouldn't give it a C. I think... Uh, the stats are there and the ability to quest for decent amounts there. So this mm -hmm. card in play might be kind of scary. For sure. All right, next we have Prince Naveen, an inkable three drop, four three quests for one. And that's it. Uh, I gave this one a D, like I alluded to in our Ruby set review. It's exactly like Horus and Baloo, which is the context I used last time. But that card never saw play competitively in set one referring to horse that is so i anticipate the same being this one yep d not much to be said about this one next we have queen of hearts capricious monarch seven cost inkable five six quest for one with the ability off with their heads whenever opposing character is banished you may ready this character um uh, i want to give it a d <laughs> um this is like the new scar Vicious if, cheater. that's what i have in my notes <laughs> yeah this is like scar if scar was bad yeah i mean like yeah scar is uninkable but he quests for one more than her and has rush and then has an ability similar to hers which is the reason why he's just far better even though he's uninkable so yeah. i i gave her a c but probably could make her a d yeah, maybe she is a C. Really, the issue is that you know, Scar 
I mean, obviously different colors, so it's different, but Rush is just such a strong ability and being able to instantly have an immediate effect on the board is really strong, whereas your opponent can kind of see this coming a mile away mm -hmm. and play around it. So it's hardly ever going to trigger that ability unless it's favorable for your opponent. Yeah, and I feel like, too, they kind of missed the ball with making it flavorful because... Queen of Hearts character in, in nature is just like quick to jump the gun, hot tempered. So mm. I felt like they could have given her a rush. So it's kind of a disappointment they didn't make make her better or make her similar to Scar in that regard. So Yeah. Flavor fail. I know. Alright, next we have Robin Hood, Capable Fighter, an uninkable two drop, a one three quest for one, and has skirmish, where you would exert Robin and deal one damage to chosen character. What did you think of this one? I gave it a B. I think it definitely has some really powerful applications, but I mean, the, the only issue with it is that it's uninkable, so you know, you're not going to be able to fit into every deck, but yeah, just being able to play this defensively to take out your opponent's Lelos or Maleficents or Pascals, things of that nature is going to be really good. Yeah. I gave him a B as well, and although... His stats are small, obviously, because he's cheaper. I like that he can put damage on readied characters because I believe we played each other the other night and you did that against me. Like, I put a small little guy on the board and then you did this to me and it didn't even make it to the... It didn't even dry. So, I feel like mm -hmm. you could see some application with that and... Yeah, your first reaction to that was, oh, no, <laughs> or something <laughs> like that, so... But like you said, too, I mean, it can take out a Paschal, which if you don't have, like, for Steel not having evasive characters, like, that's a nice way to just get rid of it without actually challenging it. So it's mm -hmm. pretty, it's a way, it's a nice way around it. Yeah, it's a good way to shore up your aggressive matchups for sure. Yeah. All right, next we have the Huntsman, Reluctant Enforcer, two cost equal character, 1-1, one, one, quest for two, and it has Change of Heart. Whenever this character quests, you may draw a card, then choose and discard a card. What do you think, Dana? I made him a D because I think he's just a weaker Cinderella knight in training. Yeah, his ability is every time he quests and hers is only when entering the battlefield, but he'd pretty much die right away. I mean, like we said with the Robin Hood, like if you're playing another steel deck, like your Robin Hood could just get him before he can even quest. So you would never be able to use his ability anyway. So he might not even be able to get there if you are playing him and you're on the draw. So that's why I think he's a D. Yep, I totally agree. Definitely a D. The only thing he has going for it is that he quests for two, whereas Cinderella quests for one. But like you have to quest with this card twice in order for it to be meaningfully better than Cinderella, which... It's just not going to happen because he, he's a 1-1. One, one. Yeah. Uh, he's not going to make it there. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to make it there. And he doesn't have the upside of shifting into Big Cindy. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Easy, easy D. All right. Next we have the Prince Never Gives Up. An inkable 3-drop, 1-3, quests for 2, has Bodyguard and Resist plus 1. What did you think of this one? I gave this one a B, but like a higher end of the B. Mm -hmm. Like in your aggressive decks, I think this is a really important card to keep your cheap characters alive. Just he's bodyguard. He has three willpower and resists. So 
He's hard to get off the board early through normal challenging means. He even quests for twos, so he puts pressure on the control decks in that sense. I, I really like this one. I don't think he's going to be super ubiquitous and be in every deck, so I can't give him an A, but I can definitely give him a B. Yeah, I think he's a B as well because of his resistibility. I mean, your opponent's just going to have to make unfavorable trades early, if it's early in the game because they're not going to have anything that's going to be able to kill a three willpower plus resist. So, yeah. Yeah, the, the only issue with this card is that it does not line up very well against Fox Madam Mim. Yeah. Just a 4-3 that comes in and crushes this thing. Obviously not everyone's going to be Amethyst, but uh, it's just annoying that the Madam Mims are so good against him. Yeah. But, but if they're not playing Amethyst, I, I think he's going to do a pretty good job. All right, next we have Tiana celebrating Princess 4 cost and inkable. Resist 2. She quests for 2. She's a 1-4. And she has what you give is what you get. While this character is exerted and you have no cards in your hand, opponents can't play actions. This, this one's tough. This one's really hard to remove off the board. Her ability, what you give is what you get, is really powerful in a lot of instances. She quests for two. I think I'm, I think I'm going to give her an A. I think there will definitely be scenarios where you're just playing this really aggressive deck and you flood the board and then your opponent can't play their be prepared or they can't play their grab your swords. Not that grab your swords would do anything to Tiana, which is a big upside, mm -hmm. but it would probably hurt a lot of your other characters. And yeah, I think this being one of the real ways for uh, an aggressive go-wide strategy to stop Be Prepared is really strong. I only gave her a B because I'm not sure how often her second ability would trigger, but I do think the Resist Plus 2 is pretty strong. I, I do think she's obviously decent enough to at least be a B. I could be very wrong and maybe she is worth more, but I feel like you would have to play that certain deck like you talked about where you want to try to flood the board with characters. So obviously you're going to probably play cheap characters. So when you have enough ink, you can play multiple ones per turn and get them out of your hand quickly. So her second ability triggers, but I think playing it in other decks might, it might be hard to try to trigger that ability. No, I agree, but I think she is kind of the reason why you would want to play that kind of deck. So I think she's powerful enough. I'll give it an A, but I can definitely see her being hard enough to use where she might not get very much play at all at yeah, the same time. That's fair. All right. Next, we have our last character, and that is Tiana Diligent Waitress in Inkable One Drop 1-3 Quests for One Vanilla. I think she's a B. She's just a steel Olaf, basically. Nothing special, but you would probably just put her in as a filler, a filler one drop. Yep, if you need a 1-3 for 1, this is it. B, C kind of card, nothing special. All right, now we're to our actions and items. Take us to our first one. So we have Charge, 2-cost inkable action. Chosen character gets plus 2 challenger and plus 2 resist this turn. That is... It's, it's probably a C. I don't know if I'm ever going to 
to play this card, but the combination of those two is actually pretty good because a lot of the other actions that you see just give you plus three strength or plus three challenge or whatever, and then your character just dies. Mm -hmm. But this saves your character, so it gives you a lot more power in that sense just because your character survives. So I could see maybe playing it, but I also don't know when I ever would. I gave this a D because I, I don't see it getting play. I just think it is just slightly off from being better, like enough to play. They could have made the text say during your turn and your opponent's turn. Like even just making it last on your opponent's turn, I think would have made this a better card to consider. But because of that, I don't. I think it's a D. Yeah, this seems like a card to me that's going to be a big blowout whenever you're drafting, but yeah, probably not playable and constructed, so mm -hmm. I can see it. Yeah. All right, next we have Let the Storm Rage On. Dana, read off the text of that one. All right, so an uninkable three drop. It's a song, and you deal two damage to chosen character and draw a card. I gave this one a B because I feel like it's a better Fire the Cannons, except you can sing it and you get to draw a card. So I, I debated about whether the extra stuff made it worth a three cost. I think it should have been considered to be a two cost, but that would obviously make it really good probably too good i think i think the fact that it's a song though makes it easier for me to justify still thinking it's okay as a three cost if it wasn't a, if it was just a straight action i i wouldn't think it's good but because it's a song and you can sing it i think it's still okay uh and still pretty good so b for me yeah i think this one might be an a i think a lot of your steel decks might want to play this just as a cheap removal card even though it's not inkable and you lose that flexibility it replaces itself so so you're more capable of finding inkables if you need to because mm -hmm. you're obviously drawing a card uh you can sing it so it ends up costing no ink a lot of the time yeah. uh, which is really powerful so yeah I, I like this one a lot all right next we have pick a fight Take us through this one. Chosen character can challenge ready characters this turn. This is a two-cost uninkable action and a D. I gave it a D, too. <laughs> I think it with it being uninkable and it's not even like it's a song or anything, it would be hard to justify this taking up a slot in your deck. This is the one Wreck-It Ralph card they gave, <laughs> they gave us. <laughs> so tilted. Gosh, oh, so they, sad. They better make the actual character cards good. I swear, if they don't make Vanellope good, I'm going to flip a table. <laughs> I, I know it's... Oh, that... I don't really like the art on this card, but I love Wreck-It Ralph, so I was really hoping for something better. <laughs> All right, next we have Strength of a Raging Fire. This is a three-cost inkable song. And it says, deal damage to chosen character equal to the number of characters you have in play. I gave this one an A. I think most of your steel decks are going to play it just because at the very worst, it's an inkable card, unlike Let the Storm Rage On. So you have that flexibility. The one issue with it is that if you are a more slower controlling deck, then paying three mana or even just singing this to do two damage isn't that great. But if, you know, you're one of those decks that 
go wide and have a lot of characters in play. This could be, you know, seeing it for zero ink and deal five damage to a character, and that is extremely powerful. So I like this one a lot. I think most steel decks are going to play it. Oh, for sure. I have this as an A as well. I'm so excited they made this card. I don't know if you remember, but a couple months ago, I made like a like a fan card um, with like one of those websites where you could just make up Lorcano cards. And I wanted one for this song so bad. And I used like similar, I used similar artwork, obviously, like I just used a screenshot from the movie, but I'm so excited that they added a card for this song because it's probably my favorite Disney song. Iconic. It's so good. We just watched it the other day too. And I, we both like were belting it out. But aside from all of that, yeah, I just think it, it, fits perfectly into a steel deck, especially one that's a steel amber. So even if it's not a steel amber, you would still play this and so good. Yep. All right, next we have Last Cannon, an item, inkable one cost. It has arm yourself, one, ink, banish this item, chosen character gains challenger plus three this turn. <sighs> Probably a, a, a D or a C. I don't know if you would ever put this in your deck. Maybe if you have a bunch of item synergies, but a lot of those decks aren't trying to necessarily challenge your opponent's characters because they're questing with Flaversham or trying to do really powerful things with Maurice or Ariel, who's a collector. And this just does not really fit that. Yeah, I gave this a D as well. I just... I mean, you have characters that give support abilities that could literally do this more effectively. Yep, just having a character in play like Philatides is more powerful than this. For sure. All right, last two items. We have Mouse Armor, an uninkable two-drop, and you would exert this, and chosen character gains resist plus one until the start of your next turn. I gave this one a C. I don't think it's as bad as Last Cannon because the ability is repeatable. Um, and like obviously Last Cannon, you have to banish that item. But it also lasts your opponent's turn too. I just don't know if Resist plus one is really worth it anyway, which is why I gave it a C. But I don't think it's entirely unplayable like Last Cannon is. Yeah, I think this one is probably worse than Last Cannon, actually. Oh. I think it's a D. <laughs> it not being inkable is as detrimental for this kind of card as you can be and it had it is just so narrow on top of not being inkable that i don't think i'm ever gonna play it mm -hmm. so d all right so our last card of the set review as a whole is weight set three cost inkable item it has training and whenever you play a character with Four strength or more, you may pay one ink to draw a card. Dana, what do you think of this one? I gave this one a C only because it's inkable, so it might get some play. And I'm not going to lie, I originally thought this was a D, but I saw something about how over the weekend there was a deck that did really well in a tournament and they played weight set. So now I'm, I'm wondering if I should make it a C or higher. <laughs> That's the only reason why I'm not making it a D, but I I feel like the most popular steel deck right now is a steel song, and it tends to have a wider board where you're not going to have as powerful of characters that have a strength of four or more anyway. Ugh, I don't know. 
I don't know. What do you think? So I'm going to give it a C, but I can definitely see just it being a D. The reason why I don't like this card very much is because most of your characters with four strength or more already cost four or more ink most of the time. And playing this on turn three and not playing your four strength character the next turn is like you're just taking a whole turn off from curving out properly. Mm -hmm. So you are playing very slowly. And then whenever you want to draw a card, you just have to you have to wait until you have the appropriate ink. It, you're just playing off curve to draw a card in a lot of matchups that is going to be a death sentence because you can't afford to be that slow granted in those matchups maybe you just ink this and don't worry about it too much but i feel like you have to build around this in such a way that a lot of your deck has four strength characters and if that's the case they're mostly going to be expensive so you might not have a good aggro matchup anyway mm -hmm. so i I don't know. I just don't see it. I would have to play with it and play against it a bunch in order to really figure this one out. For sure. And with it being so slow, with it being a three drop, I mean, even if you play an item deck where you have cards that allow you to pay less for items, your characters still aren't going to be strong enough. So yeah, I don't know. Like even Beast Tragic Hero is only a three strength yeah, it's just and that's gonna be the best card in your deck a lot of the time so <laughs> yeah, just, it's, yeah. that's tough now the one deck that i could see this played a little bit more in is like a ruby steel deck because you have gaston who has four strength and only costs two so he is actually really good early to play on turn two and a cheap card to play after this so you don't play off curve too much and you can draw a card pretty easily and I also like Lawrence as a potential in this deck too just because he's big for his ink cost as well but yeah, besides but what, that what I'm having trouble. Even, would Lawrence's thing even really trigger because it's it's not like it's a a constant. I feel like it would go off of the one that's actually in the bar, not the ability. So I feel like Lawrence's tech to to wait set Lawrence is still only a zero strength. You know, that's a good question. I really have no idea. If Lawrence doesn't work with this card, then I'm kind of off of it. But yeah, I have no idea if it sees the strength as when you're playing it or while it's in play. Uh, that's that's too rulesy for me. Yeah. If it doesn't work with Lawrence, I I just don't see it because that's like the best card in this color that it could work with. I think. Yeah. So that that would be unfortunate. <laughs> um. But yeah. Well, that pretty much wraps it up then. That <laughs> wraps it up. All right, Dana. This was a really fun set review number two. Again, I think we might change how we do it going forward. Uh, just so. It doesn't take six episodes and yeah. a thousand hours of our time. Uh, we would want to be more efficient and really get to the meat of what we want to talk about and talk about the best cards more. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that just becomes a little bit better of an experience. Yeah. 
we'll definitely switch it up for set three. So if you guys have any preferences, we were, we've been throwing around a couple of ideas, whether we're gonna do X amount of cards per color or X amount of cards just per set. So Like I don't a top know. 10 cards per set, yeah. top five cards of color, whatever it is. Yeah, so if you guys have any preferences, let us know. Otherwise, starting next week, I think we're gonna start to look at the meta and looking at what people are bringing to tournaments and we'll have some fun coming up in the next few episodes. Absolutely. Uh, we appreciate you guys for sticking with us. Have a wonderful day.